Welcome to the Talks on Law California MCLE podcast, interviews with leading attorneys, professors, and judges on important and thought-provoking legal topics. And now for the interview. Unless you're one of the nine justices of the Supreme Court, the chances are you're probably on social media. Whether it's posting pictures on Instagram, tweeting the latest in the news, or chatting with a friend on Facebook. But as we'll learn today, a tweet is not just a tweet. And when you're a lawyer, making the wrong kind of post can get you disbarred. Hello and welcome to Talks on Law. I'm your host, Joel Cohen. Our guest today is a special expert in the topic, having served at the top levels of committees on ethics in both the nation and the state of New York. Nicole Highland, welcome to Talks on Law. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. For most of us, social media is a place to waste time or perhaps enjoy a little bit of time away from the office. Why do ethics committees care what lawyers are doing online? Well, there are two broad areas in which uh, lawyers can be using social media. One is in what they consider to be their private world, you know, make, engaging in communications with friends and family, sharing photos, talking about their vacations, posting pictures of their food, you know, that type of thing. So that's sort of what we consider more of the private use, although we should never use the word private when it comes to the internet, uh, of, of social media. On the other hand, there are lawyers who are using social media for professional purposes. So they may be advertising, they may be networking with other colleagues, uh, they may be sharing uh, content that they're writing to develop their reputation in a particular practice area. So I thought today for our conversation we could go perhaps social media platform by platform, talk about some of the issues, and then discuss a little bit about the consequences. One of the big players in the field is Facebook. How are lawyers using Facebook inappropriately? Well. Many, many lawyers, just as many, many people, are on Facebook. It's probably the number one platform uh, these days. And uh, I, there are a couple of ways that lawyers can misuse Facebook. For example, I have this, what I call the, the, private, the myth of the privacy bubble. So when we're on Facebook, we're usually not using Facebook for professional purposes. Usually we're thinking of it as... Um, the, the networking site we use to engage with our friends and our families, so maybe some colleagues, because it has there has been a little bit of spillover into Here that. are pictures of my kid or my vacation in Bermuda. I, exactly. So, but late at night, you're working at the office, you've had a rough week, uh, you're exhausted, um, and maybe you post some some criticism of a client or a or a colleague or a judge without thinking, you know, particularly if you're maybe a little bit younger, more, less experienced, and you're not necessarily thinking that that post could get out further than your immediate circle of Facebook friends and, and could come to someone else's attention. So that's what I call the myth of the privacy bubble, where you're thinking that you're in this sort of private world and that you're making comments that only your friends are seeing, but that type of comment can get out more, more wide, widely. And, uh, and if it's something that is embarrassing to a client or reveals some sort of confidential information, uh, 
you know, it could, it could get you into trouble. Maybe we could have an example that we can run through. Oh, sure. Um, so there was an example, uh, this came out of Florida, where for some reason many of my examples about social media wrongdoings come from. Uh, and uh, this involved a public defender uh, who was representing a gentleman who had been, who was on trial for uh, allegedly murdering his girlfriend. And while the public defender was visiting her client in jail, along with members of his family, they were bringing him a change of clothes for the trial. And so one of the procedures that they have to go through is that a corrections officer has to inspect each item of clothing as it's being handed over to the prisoner. And at one point, the, the corrections officer pulled out uh, from the bag a pair of leopard print pants. And, um, and you know, I suppose that it was sort of a funny kind of situation. And so the public defender took a photo with her iPhone of the, uh, of the pants. And then during a break in the proceedings, uh, she posted to her Facebook page a picture, this photograph, with the comment, this is what my client's family think is appropriate attire for trial. Uh, you know, again, this is sort of the... Were these pants or underwear or undergarments? My understanding is that it was it was underwear, but I have never seen the original photo, so um, I don't know. So anyway, she, um, you know, this again was this sort of classic, um, you know, privacy bubble thinking where she was probably thinking, you know, I'm only sharing this with a few, you know, close friends and family and wasn't thinking it would get further than that. But it did get reported to the judge, and there was a mistrial, and in fact the public defender ended up losing her job uh, as a result of that incident. So it was taken very seriously. It was taken very seriously. Um, and again, I'm sure she thought she was just doing something funny, but you have to be really, really careful when you're making any kind of comment about a matter that you're working on, uh, because it, it, it can really backfire. So that wasn't even disclosing privileged information. No. That was simply making a comment that could right. be seen as perhaps disparaging right. or right. critical of, of one's own client. Right, right. Harmful, embarrassing to the client, something like that. Are there examples that relate to other individuals? For example, opposition counsel, a prosecutor, a defense attorney? Uh, I, I've seen uh, certainly situations where lawyers have made uh, disparaging comments against, against judges. And that can certainly get you into trouble. There are rules about that. Let alone and upsetting the judge. Yes. Well, I mean, it, there are many, many aspects to why that's a bad idea. Uh, one is, uh, you know, you represent clients before that judge. It doesn't just affect you or your client in, in, in the matter that you happen to make that comment about, but it could, rep it could affect other clients that you have if the judge develops some sort of animosity towards you. And hopefully you. the judge wouldn't let a personal opinion get involved, but it is certainly possible. They're only human. Right. You know? and, uh, and so, you know, it can really have far-reaching repercussions, not just for you, but for your, you know, your partners in your firm, your other colleagues in your firm who may be appearing before that judge. So, so that can, that's something to really steer clear of. And I've seen people, I mean, I'm on Facebook, I'm very active on social media. I've seen it, you know, with people that I either I'm friends with or friends of friends with, where I've seen comments that I, I go, come really close to the line and I get a little concerned. And sometimes I'll even send a private message and make a suggestion. Perhaps you should take that Perhaps down. Perhaps you might want to think about taking that down. You would think lawyers would know better. You know, the thing about talking about this issue is that we often use the most, most extreme examples. And I think most lawyers hear those examples and think, you know, I would never do that. But I think one of the things that maybe some 
uh, some lawyers are concerned about, particularly lawyers who are in supervisory positions at firms, are, are, are a little concerned about what might be going on sort of in the ranks. You know, people who are, who are younger, who, are, have, who have come up, you know, using Facebook, using Twitter, very comfortable with it, and, and sort of may not... And perhaps a short path between a thought and a share. Yes, and, and so they're used to just sharing so much information that you know, maybe some of the older generation might think is not seemly or, or may, should be kept private. I hope you're not including <laughs> us and the older generation. <laughs> I feel like I'm right there on the cusp. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so I think there's a supervisory issue now that a lot of firms are struggling with. How do we make sure that, um, that we're properly educating and training younger lawyers on how, what they should and shouldn't say on, on Facebook and, and Twitter and, and all these platforms? That was, in essence, sharing some information that might have been an overshare. Mm -hmm. How about when lawyers' comments can be interpreted as inappropriate advertising? Well, sometimes this can come up in uh, in a situation where someone sort of has a has a victory, you know, and they want to share that. So, you know, just won this trial, had a great result, um, you know, things like that, and. Ethics committees are grappling right now with this issue of when does when does something become an advertisement? When is it when does it cross that line to you know falling into the definition of you know your, what you're really doing? Your primary purpose in in making this statement is to uh, to get business, you know, to try to get an, a client. And so there is actually uh, a California ethics opinion. I believe it was one of the first uh, ethics opinions that dealt with this issue. Um, maybe I'm thinking it was like 2012, I believe it came out. And it, it looked at five different statements that lawyers might make on social media. And it sort of ranked them as, you know, this, or, or, or drew the line, you know, this is advertising, this isn't. And, um, and really what it, in, in that opinion, what it came down to is, does a statement uh, sort of cross that line into offering the lawyer's services for employment? So for example, just one, I just won a case, uh, great victory for my client, period. That's not an advertisement. But if you add the statement, uh, who wants to be next, question mark? Uh, then that converts that statement into an advertisement under the California rules, which are slightly different from New York. So we might draw the line in a different place, but uh, but generally that's the idea that if your statement sort of goes that extra step and says, "Give me a call if you want a free consult," you know, then you then you're crossing the line into advertising. So it's okay to share, you know, I just had this awesome victory, yay me, or <laughs> or uh, yeah, bragging. I'm really is, happy you know. for my client. <laughs> yeah. Generally, that's fine, um, it, you know, as long as it doesn't violate confidentiality. So, so depending on what you're sharing and how sensitive the matter is, it could it could violate confidentiality. If it's a settlement, for example. If it's a settlement, sometimes in the criminal context, you might have some issues there where, um, you know, even though it might be a, a, a trial, a criminal trial that technically is public, if it's not widely known about, you know, then... There might you might not want to publicize your you know those victories in that way without getting your client's consent to do that because that could be embarrassing to the Absolutely. client. So we talked about posts. Mm -hmm. Another thing that individuals can be sensitive about and has gotten some lawyers in trouble are even before people are posting, which is the friendship request. Oh yes, well uh, we have certain rules about. Uh, who you can communicate with when you're an attorney. For example, we have something called the no contact rule, which 
uh, restricts your ability to communicate with a represented party on the other side of the matter. So if we're so, opposition counsel, I can't contact your, your you, client, for example. It, exactly, unless I, unless I have the lawyer's permission to, to do that. But that can get you into trouble in some cases. There was a situation, for example, in, um, in New Jersey where two lawyers who were representing a defendant, I believe is in a personal injury matter, um, had a paralegal friend the plaintiff and get a whole bunch of information off of the plaintiff's Facebook page, private, you know, the, the private areas of the Facebook page, uh, the ones that were not available to the, to the general public but only to friends, and um, then confronted that plaintiff in the deposition with these uh, postings. Made. And, you know, I, I assume, although I'm not sure of the full details, I assume the reason they did this was because they found material that might have contradicted or suggested that, they, that perhaps the injuries were exaggerated or that type of thing. And, and Facebook and social media are a, a great resource if you can ethically get that material, which there are ethical ways to get it. But friending the party directly is not one of those ways. So this paralegal had friended him and he accepted the request. And he accepted the, the request, not realizing that she Who had she any was. connection with um, with these lawyers and and so she got access to all of this material and was able and the lawyers were able to use it and so they had a disciplinary matter filed against them I still haven't seen any outcome of that yet but the last I heard they had been um, there was a complaint filed against them so that, that could be an issue so Absolutely. that would be contacting a represented represented party. party yes how about contacting the judge so that has come up several times in different cases. In some cases, it was the judge that initiated the, um, the contact. So the judge said, oh, you're in my court. Why don't I Facebook friend you? Yes. Yeah, that has happened. Uh, uh, there are a couple of different situations where judges were um, disciplined for uh, friending and then communicating with one of the lawyers but not the other, for example. So that would be one-sided ex parte communication. Right, exactly. And so, so that, 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 in that situation, the judge was reprimanded. I have no idea what happened to the lawyer. I know there's no record of whether the lawyer was reprimanded as well. But of course, you know, when you are a judge, you have a lot of power and influence. And so it's, it's particularly sensitive, you know, if a judge tries to friend a lawyer who appears before the judge or even a party directly, which has happened, um, it puts a lot of pressure on the It's kind of a catch-22. Yes. If you accept, you might be doing you might uh, be violating. Violating ethics rule. Yes. If, you, if you don't accept, you might be offending the judge that you're going to appear in court before. Yeah, and then in fact, recently, uh, a judge, I believe, was, um, was disciplined for, uh, for re trying to friend um, a party or a lawyer that appeared before her, and then there was an accusation that when that person didn't accept the friend request, uh, that the judge retaliated in some way. And so, you know, the judge ended up getting into trouble for that. And, and it, you know, there's in New York, we don't have a, a per se rule against judges and lawyers being Facebook friends or being connected on social media, but uh, certainly it's a factor that should be looked at in determining whether there's a bias. Uh, so, and it's, it's definitely better for judges and lawyers, particularly if they're, appear, you know, if the, if the lawyers appearing in the same, you know, before that judge, that they just stay off social media together. So that might raise a situation where a judge or a lawyer would be advised to defriend uh, one another. 
I, my recommendation is if you're appearing before a judge um, and you are connected to them on social media, it's best to defriend, uh, at least for that period of time uh, that you're appearing before that judge. And if you generally appear in that courthouse before that judge, you know, as sort of a general part of your practice, just avoid being Facebook friends. Because even though it's not a hard and fast violation of the ethics rules, you, you're, not, uh, you're not violating an ethics rule by being friends with a judge in that situation in New York. It's just, it's just a more prudent um, practice because there could be some inadvertent comment that's made about the case, um, even if it's not by you. Maybe it's by someone that you, someone else you're connected to, uh, who makes a comment, or someone else the judge is connected to, and so then you end up being inadvertently exposed, exposed. to a comment that you didn't even intend to, and then you could be accused of having an ex parte communication. Sometimes, as lawyers, friends come to us and ask generic legal questions. Mm -hmm. When this happens on social media, can that create? an inappropriate or a more serious legal relationship? It's certainly, there's always that risk. Uh, you know, as lawyers, it, it's sort of like we're, like doctors, when, whenever they go out, someone wants to you show, know, them a rash. show them a rash, <laughs> exactly. So we're sort of in, in a similar, similar position. But in the old days, that used to happen at cocktail parties. And now it happens on social media where there's a record. And, um, and so, you know, it's, that's the thing about social media is, is it pretty much lasts forever. So, and, it, and everything is, is amplified because it can be, you know, it's all public for the most part. So, um, so yeah, I mean, if someone, whether it's a friend or just someone, uh, you know, who you, is just merely an acquaintance, asks you a legal question, uh, you have to be very careful about, about how you respond to it. Uh, you can say, you know, I, I can't give you advice on that. I don't represent you. You can say, you know, you can answer hypothetical or generic questions, but specific, giving specific legal advice to someone on a specific issue, you could be inadvertently creating an attorney-client relationship. That can cause different types of problems. So on the one hand, first is the, you know, sometimes we answer things off the cuff. So did you give them the correct advice? Did they then go on and rely on it? And then it caused some problem. Uh, it can be an issue if they are in another state and the advice related to something outside of your, your, where you're admitted. So you could have a, an issue with unlicensed practice of law because you've now given someone advice. So people already think lawyers sometimes lack a sense of humor, and now you're <laughs> saying our Facebook posts may need to come with disclaimers. Yes, exactly. Uh, and we should talk about disclaimers, but um, yeah, this is not legal advice. I know people who have that in their profiles. Nothing, I, nothing here is, should be considered legal, as legal <laughs> advice. legal advice. So, you know, name, uh, state, right. nothing, nothing here is nothing legal. Nothing is legal advice. <laughs> um, you could have a conflict issue. You could unwittingly give advice to someone, and if you're in a big firm, maybe the person on the other side of that dispute is someone that your firm represents. I mean, it's it's possible. So you know that's why we run conflicts before we represent people and start giving them advice because we don't want to be caught on the wrong side of a of a conflict issue. On the same fun end of the spectrum, you have Instagram. Are there any examples where lawyers have gotten in trouble by posting pictures? I haven't heard of any um, Instagram-related issues, but you can imagine the example we talked about earlier of the, of the public defender who posted a pic. I mean, she got into trouble for a photo and a comment. That could have happened on Instagram. So you can certainly see that there could be an, uh, you know, that type of situation could come up. Uh, and, you know, Instagram is still, is becoming more and more popular with, with you know, 
people of an older generation. Uh, and so you're, you're seeing more and more lawyers, um, you know, using Instagram, but it's not, I don't think it's a, a platform that either that lawyers use as much as they use Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, or that they're using for professional reasons. It's usually mostly personal. I can tell you from monitoring uh, Talks on Law's Instagram mm -hmm. feed, there are a number of law firms that have law firm accounts. So the law firm account thing is interesting. <laughs> um, and there's somewhat of a, a, a debate about whether that's a valuable thing for law firms to do. And this is sort of getting outside of the ethics issue. You, you see this with Facebook pages, as opposed to the personal use of Facebook with, you know, your personal page, there are, you know, organizational Facebook pages that you can set up. And so there are some law firms doing that. So we talked about Facebook and Instagram. How about Twitter? This is a platform that's very time sensitive, where people are regularly commenting on what's in the news as well as their personal life. We do have a Twitter account, mm -hmm. and, and do you as well? I do. I do have a Twitter account, uh, which, you know, my, my way of using Twitter is sort of partly just, you know, sort of pictures of my cats, that kind of thing, and, and, and my garden, uh, and then partly, you know, sharing information about uh, developments in ethics. So I use it for both personal and, pro and, and professional. I don't separate those. Uh, and uh, so I have a number of people who follow me, you know, who like pictures of cats and a number of people who follow me who are interested in ethics development. I would love to see the intersection of people <laughs> who love cats, cats and, and legal ethics. Yeah. How do lawyers get themselves in trouble on Twitter in a different way? One way is is um, using Twitter inappropriately uh, uh, for advertising and solicitation purposes. That is definitely one area that... So this um, would be the same kind of thing you mentioned with Facebook, where not only are you sharing a victory, but you're actually saying, you know, who's next, or uh, join the winning team, or right. call us. Right, exactly. And I think it's more likely to happen on Twitter than on Facebook, because Twitter is much more of a platform that people use that goes beyond just personal family and friends. So, and, and so, and plus almost, you know, anyone can see it unless... It's less private. Yeah, it, exactly. You don't even have to be following someone on Twitter to see their tweets. So, um, so it's just, it's more likely to get disseminated more publicly. Uh, and it's just, you know, I think there's a greater risk that you could post something that could be interpreted as advertising. Um, and, and Twitter, with, at 140 characters, it's very difficult to put the kind of disclaimers that you would need to, in order to comply with advertising rules. So can you link to a disclaimer? So the last thing that you should do as a lawyer, if you actually don't want to lose followers, is have a link that links to an, a disclaimer, <laughs> right? So yeah, ethically, that's one way to deal with disclaimers. Um, if, you, if you post, if you tweet something that qualifies as an advertisement and requires a disclaimer, you can link to a disclaimer. But I can't imagine anything that a Twitter user would find more annoying than clicking on a link thinking it's going to be something substantive and getting a legal disclaimer. <laughs> so I, I don't think it's a, it's, a great, um, it's a great way to deal with that, with that issue. It's better just to avoid tweeting things that would require a disclaimer. And that would apply as well to that attorney-client relationship line that we talked about earlier with Facebook. So... What are some of the limitations on disclaimers? So, for example, if someone asks you legal advice on Twitter and you give them legal advice, the fact that you have a disclaimer in your profile that says nothing I say here is legal advice may not be sufficient to get you off the hook in that situation. Disclaimers have you know, some utility, but if you then act in contravention of your own disclaimer, pointing to the disclaimer is not necessarily going to 
you know, insulate you from a claim that you have given legal advice. Or inappropriate out-of-state legal advice. Exactly. On the spectrum of social media, probably one of the more professional social media channels would be LinkedIn. What are some of the key distinctions and the issues raised by them? Yes, LinkedIn is, for lawyers, um, is sort of the, the lawyer's platform, right? Many, many lawyers are on LinkedIn. They use it um, you know, to network with colleagues. They use it to be parts of groups that, uh, that either alumni groups or bar association groups. So they use it for a, a number of reasons, mostly just professional. Um, so they're not there posting pictures of their cats, generally. And um, uh, so because of that, there's sort of an assumption that, that comes along with LinkedIn that you are using it for these professional purposes. And, then, and so there's more of a likelihood that someone's going to view that what you do there as advertising. People will um, take it a little more seriously. Well, people will certainly take it more seriously, but I think it, they think that there's, there's a tendency to assume that something is going to be advertising, that if you post it on LinkedIn, that if you post it on Facebook, they might not consider it to be advertising, just because the platform makes it look like you're communicating with people for professional purposes. And one of the things lawyers are, do is they, they're trying to, many of them are trying to get clients. So, so on Facebook, maybe you're speaking as a, as an individual, individual on LinkedIn, you have your lawyer hat on. You have your lawyer hat on. So, so I think there's a um, there there is that sort of predisposition to look at LinkedIn as potential as a, a much more likely place that people could violate the advertising rules, and uh, so we have uh, real you know really significant questions about how lawyers can use LinkedIn. Um, again, ethics committees are grappling with these issues and trying to answer them. Uh, so there have been, in, you know, the last few years, um, you know, several opinions that have come out dealing with, you know, do you need to put attorney advertising in your profile? Uh, what information can you put on your LinkedIn profile? Uh, what, what kind of communications might fall into the category of advertising? And, um, you know, endorsements, obviously, and recommendations. Yeah, LinkedIn has this unique tool called endorsements. Mm -hmm. That's where an individual besides yourself may say, hey, you're good at X. Mm -hmm. How does that fit in? So this is a question that, that we've been asking for a, a few years. And there has, uh, in, I believe, March of 2015, uh, there, there was an ethics opinion issued by the New York County Lawyers Association that addressed that issue. And um, although I, I take issue with some of the things in that opinion, <laughs> uh, I think the, issue, the way they've dealt with endorsements is probably right. And what they said was uh, it should, you know, endorsements, you, you, if you are going to open up and, you know, start, create a profile as, a, as an attorney and allow endorsements, you have some obligation to monitor, you know, reasonably to monitor them to make sure they're accurate. Um, so if, I, if people start endorsing me for trademark law and I'm not a trademark lawyer, I should delete it. You should delete it. I mean, there, and you can go to your profile. You can you can opt out of endorsements altogether, or you can hide individual endorsements. So, if someone endorses you for some practice area that you're not in, you can just hide that that endorsement so that it's not shown to anyone else. And and uh, this opinion said, look, you're not required to monitor it every day or even every week, but just at reasonable intervals, you're, you should monitor it, make sure it's accurate. Because, you know, the, the way the system is set up, it encourages false endorsements. You know, it, it suggests an endorsement to someone and that all they have to do is click it and suddenly you're endorsed for Westlaw. You know, why, why, why that would be helpful, I don't know. 
All right, so for those who are listening for ethics credit, the code for this course is 888881. Again, that's 888881, five eights in a row. And now back to the interview. How about when you're talking about skills? Mm -hmm. What level does a skill need to reach? Some jurisdictions have implied that you should have a special degree in that skill. So uh, that's a very good question. This uh, other opinion, this opinion that I was just talking about, the other thing they got right is that they said, um, you know, simply having your skills listed or even having endorsements for a particular skill isn't, does not rise to the level of claiming to be a specialist. And in New York, as well as many other states, we have a rule that you can't claim you're a specialist unless you're actually certified as a specialist in that particular area. And, and I think it's pretty clear, at least in New York, that simply being endorsed or simply listing a practice area is not a claim that you're a specialist. And I think that's a very reasonable conclusion. We've talked about oversharing, where lawyers are disclosing too much about their clients. Mm -hmm. And then we've talked about posts that could be deemed inappropriate for advertising reasons. Mm -hmm. How about just posts or comments that could be seen as offensive? That's a great question. So, for example, if, you're, if you post something that's, uh, that is pornographic or obscene or something like that, or, or um, you use some salty language, you know, is that something that you should be disciplined for? Uh, you know, because it may not there may not be a specific rule that applies to that particular conduct, but you could a disciplinary committee could say, well, it's you know it reflects on your integrity and fitness to practice law. And posting that, a nude picture could could posting a nude picture, something like that, uh, and and that of course, as we all can imagine, you know, can can clash with First Amendment issues, right? So, and particularly if it has nothing to do with with a practice, with your practice of law. So it's just a personal, private sort of um, piece of content that you're, you, you know, it doesn't, it's not like you're advertising your law practice using a nude photo. You're just, po you posted something. So um, I think this is a really, uh, an area that um, we have to tread very carefully and because, you know, as a nation, we very much value our constitutional <laughs> rights and the First Amendment is, is at the top, and so we have to, you know, lawyers have some restrictions on their speech, but they still have, you know, First Amendment rights, so we have to just be very careful about that. We talked about a spectrum of social media platforms. Mm -hmm. How about way on the other side, on the personal side, when it comes to dating apps or, mm -hmm. or social media platforms that have a very personal focus? You know, I'm not really seeing a specific concern other than you know, what if that person happens to be, you know, a, a, uh, on the op on the you know an adversary on the opposite side of a case that is going on in your in your firm? But so I if think a judge was on Tinder, you right. might you might not want to match with them. <laughs> yeah, you might want to avoid. Might want to what is it? Swipe left or something? Swipe left. <laughs> <laughs> I don't use Tinder, so. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I haven't seen situations like that come up. Maybe we'll see more of that as as more you know this. As, I mean, these apps are already incredibly popular, but even, you know, even as time goes on and they become more prevalent, we might see more of that. But I haven't seen anything specific on that yet. Well, I think after today's conversation, I certainly will be a little bit more cautious mm -hmm. when I'm on Facebook or Twitter. And uh, 
I hope that our, our viewers will, will have gotten something out of it as well. For more legal explainers and interviews with the titans of law, visit TalksOnLaw.com. If you're earning MCLE for this interview, you can enter your confirmation code at TalksOnLaw.com slash podcast to get your certificate. Join us again soon for more cutting-edge interviews on the California MCLE podcast.